How can the Miami Dolphins best go about absorbing the loss of Jalen Phillips for the remainder of this season? That is our subject today here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Cal Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of Locked on NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Appreciate the everydayers who are locked in with us because it is your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked on Network. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. We have the unenviable task of going over what the Dolphins are going to do uh, with their edge rush room with the departure uh, due to a torn Achilles of 2021 first-round pick Jalen Phillips. Tough task. Not going to be accomplished by a singular player, um, but I think there is some worthwhile discussion about snap counts and snap shares and where guys are taking snaps. That, that uh, This is going to be a collective group effort for Miami to absorb. There's no question about that. Mike McDaniel said as such on Saturday when he had his press conference and, and confirmed that Jalen Phillips did indeed, indeed tear his Achilles um, but I think the first thing that you have to do is we have to look at uh, this nucleus of this Dolphins defense and acknowledge who the nucleus is because there's about a 13 guys that have really been the guys for this group. It's been your base starting 11. So that's, um, or I should say your base starting nickel because you run majority nickel. So your secondary of Javon Holland and Deshaun Elliott and Cater Kohu and Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. And your two linebackers of David Long and Jerome Baker. And then your, your rush four of Sealer and Wilkins on the inside and Chubb and um, Jalen Phillips ha have been the base 11. And then you've had Andrew Van Ginkle and Raekwon Davis is kind of, depending on, is, is Kohu on? is Davis on kind of working within the nickel and then your third primary pass rusher, who's who's a bit of a jack of all trades. So that's how they've been distributing since Ramsey has come back in the, the Patriots game. That's been the group that's getting a run. There's like Agba's getting a handful of snaps, half dozen snaps. Deshaun Hand's getting a half dozen snaps. Nick Needham's getting a half dozen snaps. They're, they're really not kicking a lot of reps out to the rest of the guys. And now with, with Phillips interrupting that, the obvious transition is Andrew Van Ginkle, who to date has taken about 60% of the defensive snaps, but only 45% in the last three games is going to see his workload effectively double uh, versus the last three games. Jalen Phillips in games that he has dressed this season, including the game in which he tore his Achilles against the Jets on Friday, 71% of snaps taken in games he has dressed for, but the three full games that he played prior to that was at minimum 85% of the defensive snaps. 
that's vacated. Now, you've had Andrew Van Ginkle, who's 45, so you got 40% right there. Now, that's 40% that's vacated elsewhere, whether that be another stack off ball linebacker or a third edge guy. But the obvious connection is that Andrew Van Ginkle, as Phillips has accelerated his, his play and come off the snap count from coming back from the oblique slash back injury, Andrew Van Ginkle doubling his snap count uh, is going to be helpful. And, and for context, in the last three games, Andrew Van Ginkle has actually taken more snaps as a linebacker than he has as a defensive lineman. So there's some instances in which Jalen Phillips moves around. There's a lot more instances where Andrew Van Ginkle moves around. I think maybe we, we move Andrew Van Ginkle around less. I think the unique challenge is Van Ginkle does have versatility that you're going to want to weaponize and have on the field uh, in, in certain roles that are within what he's been doing for this Dolphins defense. Your other player, obviously, that, that we're not talking about is Emmanuel Agba, who has been very low rot rotational snaps. When he has gotten extended looks this year, it has not looked particularly impactful, even though he does have four sacks this season. He did have a sack against the Jets. I'm aware of that. The concern with Agba is Agba is much more of a scheme, talent, role, limited player. So I think there's going to be certain down and distances where it makes a lot of sense. When you're in your base, you're tight, you're mint front, you're, you're 4-3, or you're 3-4, excuse me, and you got Raekwon. When Raekwon Davis is on the field, so too should be Emmanuel Agba. The challenging component there is when you get teams that run in 12 personnel, but they have athletic tight ends that can flex and detach from the, the set, and, and you're playing with a slot or a big slot. Sometimes in that tight front, based on the personnel, when you're out there with the base personnel, one of those outside linebackers is going to be walked out there up on a slot. And that is not the world that you want to use Emmanuel Lagba in. Well, Jalen Phillips, part of what makes him so special and part of what makes Bradley Chubb so impactful is those guys, they can walk out five yards from the tackle. And they could throw a jam on a tight end and, and play flat responsibility. I don't want Emmanuel Agba doing that. So maybe this is a matter of if you're in base and Emmanuel Agba is out there, Bradley Chubb maybe flip-flops a little more. Maybe he goes away from the the strength of the tight ends, but you want Bradley Chubb out there uh, taking advantage of, of his play at the point of attack too. So then does it become, well, you, you, you put Andrew Van Ginkle out there regardless because he has more drop ability. Is it week to week based on how well teams run the ball versus pass the ball and their tendencies? Like these are all the questions we have to ask ourselves. Now there is uh, some, some names that you can look at that are available. I have two in particular uh, that may be of interest to the Dolphins, and we will talk about them next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. This is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than 1 billion professionals 
which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses would get a qualified candidate within 24 hours on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire with a robust hiring process. Thankfully, LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They have even launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making this process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That is linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a lot, can wear on you, can be overwhelming, can induce a lot of anxiety with all of the things that you have to do. And it's natural to feel those emotions and feelings as you're working through uh, a season that makes you at times reflect or makes you at times stretch yourself too thin. But adding something new this holiday season to your life can counteract some of those feelings with therapy. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to, help you feel grounded, and give you the tools to manage everything that's going on in your life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with licensed therapists and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. So uh, if you guys are watching on the YouTube channel, uh, you're probably a little aware right now that there's a wardrobe change, a lighting change. And if you're not, uh, just know that no good deed goes unpunished. And uh, I recorded this show at about 1230 in the afternoon on Monday. And then subsequently, the waiver claims come and go. And we had a segment about Derek Barnett. We talked about Melvin Ingram. Well, the Dolphins, uh, as of right when I was getting ready to hit publish, it was announced from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that they are actually expected to sign Jason Pierre, Paul veteran pass rusher. So uh, we could talk about Derek Barnett, who the Dolphins put a waiver claim in on, and we could talk about Jason Pierre, Paul, and those dynamics here uh, for the Dolphins as a part of this pass rush plan, right? So Derek Barnett, former first round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he was a player who has really been marginalized the last few years. There was an injury there. Uh, he's only played 101 defensive snaps since the start of the 2022 season, which kind of paints a picture for uh, all of the focus on Derek Barnett and the Dolphins putting a waiver claim in there. Really not a lot of, of tangible reps for him. He's played, I have my notes here, uh, 12 snaps since week six defensively for Philadelphia. And he has also kind of developed a reputation during his time in Philly as being a player uh, who has some questionable judgment playing through the end of the echo of the whistle and then some and some uh, self-inflicted wounds. Uh, so I'm not beating myself up too much over the Dolphins putting a waiver claim in for Derek Barnett just because, uh, yes, there was familiarity with the same scheme and there's a translatability there. Uh, but if you're expecting, as we've discussed, some names that have been elevated and put into other roles uh, that are already on the roster, you're going to need that fringe rotational guy to take 10, 12 snaps. I'm not beating myself up over that, not being Derek Barnett, although the Dolphins did put a waiver claim in. That would have been a very economically cheap option for Miami. They do get Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, 
has played 17 snaps this season, but played 526 snaps for Baltimore last season. This is a player that actually has a little bit more uh, tangible body of work as of late. And Pierre Paul is a very accomplished player. He's got 94 and a half career sacks. I don't know that he's going to roll up big numbers here in Miami on the back half of this season, uh, but he's a veteran player. Uh, he's 34 years old. He'll actually be 35 uh, on January 1st. So after the Dolphins week 17 game against Baltimore, he turns 35 years old, long, big body, kind of built from the same cut from the same cloth as some of these other edge guys, when you think about how much of a big body type that Bradley Chubb is, how much of a big body type that Jalen Phillips is, Emmanuel Agba, I'd say at this stage, he probably moves, he's probably still moves a little bit better than Emmanuel Agba, but he's nowhere near the fluid or space athlete that Emmanuel Agba is. So all of those same concerns uh, about Agba playing in your base sets, uh, I think are still relevant for Pierre Paul. My expectation is that this ends up being a player who again has taken uh, 10 to to 12 snaps defensively as a rotational pass rusher for Miami when you want to free up um, Andrew Van Ginkle to kind of move around the set. But he's spent this season uh, on the New Orleans Saints practice squad. He's played in one game and taken those 17 snaps like we talked about, uh, which was 27% of the snaps for New Orleans in that game, but uh, 60% of the snaps for Baltimore across 14 games in 2022. He had three sacks last season for Baltimore. Uh, his last really relevant season, he made the Pro Bowl with Tampa Bay in 2020. Uh, so it's it's been a minute since you've seen the best version of that. And you don't need the best version of that because your expectation is Andrew Van Ginkle is doubling his snap count. And you're going to have Emmanuel Agba, who probably doubles his snap count. And Duke Riley uh, maybe picks up a dozen snaps. And then you have potentially, once Pierre Paul gets assimilated into this group, 10 to a dozen snaps as well. So you have kind of this reallocation of snaps that the Dolphins have made a tangible move, and they did not waste any time. They had the waiver claim in for Derek Barnett. Uh, that was processed at 4 p.m. He goes to the Houston Texans, who have a higher waiver claim than the Dolphins do. Uh, that would have been $420,000 for the rest of the season. I mean, that's, that's a very easily digestible contract. I would expect Pierre Paul is close to vet minimum at this stage of the game uh, for himself as well. So... We kind of have our answer from a transaction perspective. We're expecting uh, Jalen Phillips to go on injured reserve. You probably get Jason Pierre-Paul that comes immediately onto the active roster. Uh, Mike McDaniel was asking his press availability today about another player that may be getting queued up uh, for coming off the practice or coming off injured reserve, that being running back Chris Brooks with some of the other bumps and bruises the Dolphins have in the running back room, and he was pretty mum on that. Didn't really get the sense that that's something that's going to happen this uh, this week. Uh, for Chris Brooks. So Phillips, IR subsequent move, Pierre Paul off the Saints practice squad onto Miami's active roster. Uh, I would expect he's probably a healthy scratch this week against Washington. Really, you're, you're hoping you get him up to speed so you can have him at his best once you get past the next three games. And we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule for Miami and the opportunity that awaits uh, for Miami to check the boxes that they want to check to be the team that they want to be this season. Cause it's a really important three week stretch before the final three week stretch. Um, but if I'm thinking about getting Jason Pierre Paul assimilated into this defense and getting ready to give you rotational reps, could he potentially dress and give you a handful of pass rush reps as just an outside pass rusher? Yeah, he could. Uh, but I think in a perfect world, uh, you give him a week or two weeks of being a healthy scratch 
and, and bank on Van Ginkle and Agba and obviously Bradley Chubb from a snap volume perspective to kind of get you through uh, the next couple of weeks, particularly the next two weeks you have, three weeks you have poor offensive lines you'll be playing. And you're certainly not worried about um, guys like Bradley Chubb and Andrew Van Ginkle and Christian Wilkins inside and Zach Sealer inside. All those guys have significant sack numbers this year. Would not be surprised if all of those guys finish with eight plus when it's all said and done. I think there's enough to go around with how well this defense is playing in the secondary that's behind it. So Pierre Paul is the domino that does fall. We were prepared to talk about Melvin Ingram, or we did talk about Melvin Ingram, and we talked about Derek Barnett uh, on the original recording. But when the news came through, I said, okay, let me call a timeout. We'll audible segment two on today's show. We'll talk about what's tangibly relevant, and then we can go back to the original recording, which is what we are about to do to shift our focus uh, to the upcoming three weeks and the opportunity that awaits the Miami Dolphins to finish this stretch before the three-game homestand when the level of competition ramps back up. It's always a little bit more fun to watch football when you got something on the line, and prize picks can help you be as engaged and entertained this football season as you have ever been. Prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it is you against the numbers, not you against thousands of other players. You pick two or six player stat projections with more or less than what prize pick selects. You can watch your winnings roll. And if you sel successfully select more or less on those stat projections, if you hit six in one prize picks submission, win 25 times your money. So if you like good ROI, Prize Picks gives you that as well. They have a slew, every just about every sport that you can imagine, vast majority of stats that are relevant for all of those sports that are available, and you can put them all together with a few taps on your phone to stay in the game at Prize Picks. I love that they have Apple Pay as well, so if you need to make a deposit on short notice, you can do so and stay in the game. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for first deposit match of up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for first deposit match of up to $100. Speaking of playing fantasy sports, we all love fantasy football. I don't know about you, but I got my hometown league where nobody, I know nobody cares about my fantasy team, but we are back up to 500. We started one in five. We're back up to 500. Uh, so make it a playoff run. And my hometown league, just like I'm sure yours does, has that one guy, that one annoying guy that you just cannot stand. He's the guy that you have to beat every year, no matter what, because he just keeps talking about how good his trades are, his prep, the analytics he uses. You know that guy. Let's just call him Drew, okay? Every league has a Drew. But you know what else Drew does? Drew brings weak tortilla chips to the tailgate, the kind that snap in half. When you're scooping guacamole and trying to get that last scoop of salsa, salsa out of the bottom of the bowl, for someone who claims to be the master of trades, he still has not made the trade to a better tortilla chip. Zach's Mighty believes in two things. Chips were meant to be sturdy, and Drew sucks. Our chips are cut from whole tortillas the authentic way that give them the strength to lift the heftiest dips and are fried to a corner crisp, suitable for any dip at any tailgate. So this football season, don't be a Drew, and choose Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, available at Publix locations in the deli section. Be a winner and eat Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips. We kind of alluded to this with the 
uh, opening of the first show today on Monday. It's November 27th. And reacting to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Buffalo Bills. But it's worth a follow-up from an AFC conference standpoint. Kind of exhausted my talking points on Jalen Phillips. And I was going to do a full tape study, but as I'm watching the tape, I'll be completely honest with you guys. I got the tape on Saturday morning after the game. Watch the offense, make all my notes, take all my clips to put in the subtext. Uh, if you, you are not a part of the subtext, there's a link in the show description on YouTube or wherever you're listening for your podcast. Uh, it's a direct text line with me with the subtext, uh, but you also have a group text uh, opportunity and a group community where we kind of all hang out, talk during the games, uh, and I drop film clips in there as I'm observing things and seeing things while I'm watching film. So I did the offensive film notes. And then I do the defense and I make it to like the half, I make it to halftime. And I'm watching this, this film and guys are making plays all over the field, but I didn't come away with any tangible observations because the Jets offense was just that bad. Tight ends can't block anybody. The offensive tackles are turnstiles. The quarterback has bad accuracy, bad feel for the pocket. Running backs are are not finding any lanes. Brees Hall uh, is getting bottled up because he can't get momentum going. Dalvin Cook's slow, bad in pass pro. Nobody separating. It was like an objective nightmare tape. It's like, what do I do with this? What do I come on here and 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 blow smoke and provide reps of how we physically dominated an outgunned team on 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 Friday? I'm sure some of us would love to hear it, but I didn't think it was a particularly productive conversation to have. So I kind of said, say lovey uh, to the defensive Jets team. Hopefully we can get another chance to dunk on that Jets team in a couple weeks uh, with some more defensive tape. So instead, what I I wanted to finish with is just looking at this conference where the Dolphins, they're the four seed as things currently stand, but it's relevant to know that the Baltimore Ravens are on a bye this week. They, they beat the Chargers last night to move to nine and three. The Chargers or the Chiefs uh, go to Green Bay. Their bye week is done. They have the same record at Miami at eight and three. The Jaguars are also eight and three. They escaped Houston with a win. Houston winning would have been helpful for Miami. Uh, but Jacksonville's next big test is week 15 against the Baltimore Ravens. So you have two teams with three losses in the conference playing each other in week 15. Miami, sitting at eight and three, has a golden opportunity ahead of them. And it is this. The AFC East divisional standings have the Dolphins with a three-game lead in the loss column, and the Dolphins have six games left to play. One of those is head-to-head in Week 18 at Miami against the Bills, obviously. The Bills are off next week. They're also on a bye. They lost in the most heartbreaking fashion possible with a 59-yard field goal in pouring down rain to send the game to overtime with 20 seconds left, and the Bills totally... uh, turtled at the end of the game, burned timeouts, had a chance to try and score with 20 seconds left, burned their timeouts, didn't use it, kneeled the clock out, went to overtime, went down, kicked the field goal, and lost. Six and six for Buffalo. Buffalo out of the bye goes to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs, they they didn't play great against the Raiders, uh, but the Chiefs, nevertheless, are eight and three. They've lost to Denver, Philadelphia, in week one without Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Uh, against the Detroit Lions. They have since beat Miami, Jacksonville, 
the Jets before the Jets were a disaster. Minnesota, who's a winning team. Denver, who's a winning team. They got Green Bay this next upcoming week. They have the Bills at home. And that's obviously been a very spirited rivalry. If the Bills lose to Kansas City and Arrowhead in week 14, it would move their record to 6-7. and seven. And I'm not a math guy, but I could tell you this. If Miami goes to Washington and beats the Commanders this week, and then they play at home on Monday night football against the Titans in week 14, and they win that game as well, the best Buffalo could hope for is that Miami loses out and the Bills win out to take the division based off of a head-to-head tiebreaker if the Bills were to sweep Miami. You could also look at it this way. The Dolphins' magic number to clinch the division is four. It's November 27th. Four combined Dolphins wins and Bills losses. Clinches the Dolphins the AFC East. And Miami has a 4-8 and eight Washington Commanders team up next. And then they have a 4-7 and seven Tennessee Titans game at home. And then they have a 4-7 and seven New York Jets team at home. If you win those three games and Buffalo loses in Arrowhead, the Dolphins will have clinched the AFC East a week before Christmas, on December 17th. So this whole three-game block that you're talking about with Dallas and Baltimore and Buffalo to close the season, it, it will matter for seeding purposes, and it will matter for the aspirations of Miami uh, reaching the stratosphere of the conference that they want to play. And, and again, Miami plays Baltimore. Jacksonville Baltimore play each other. If you do well down the stretch, the two seeds within your striking distance, unless the Chiefs drop a game somewhere, in which case you could get the one feasibly. If you run the table or you you get close to run the table, if you take the next six games and you go five and one. But let's just focus on the first half of that. Washington, Tennessee, and New York. Three, four-win football teams. And the Bills got to go to Kansas City after the bye. And even then, they got Chargers on the road on a Saturday. They've got Dallas, just like Miami does. And they have Miami again. You mean to tell me the Bills are going to win all those games? Just one. The next three for Miami and just one. And the Dolphins will clinch the AFC East and can turn their eyes towards the bigger picture of the AFC, top of the AFC conference standings officially. You start with the next one, objective, get a win, get number nine, clinch a winning record. You get the one after that, and your focus is double-digit wins. Okay? No, the Dolphins didn't do that last year. The one after that is a potential clinching scenario, and the way that the timing works out is fascinating because Miami, if they beat Washington, they definitively go three games up in the standings. And then the Bills will play Kansas City, and the Dolphins will know when they play on Monday night If we win our next two games, we win the division. They will know because they play last in week 14. And then, of course, you have a clinching scenario at home against the Jets. If you win the next two games and the Bills lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's all there. It's all right in front of the Dolphins. And they have taken care of business with the first two games coming out of the bye to go from six and three to eight and three. 
Let's focus on the next one. Our attention here on the show shifts to Washington next. The rest of our programming this week will be focused in on the Commanders. Sam Howell, a lot of passing yards, a lot of sacks. The Dolphins have a lot of sack production this season. They need to retinker the pass rush without Jalen Phillips, so we kind of touched on that a little bit today. But you can keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. Find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I am out of here. Fins up. Make it a great rest of your day. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight, and I'll be back again tomorrow to talk more about this Dolphins playoff run. Peace.